Welcome to today's fifth Wednesday of the month mini-episode of the Up to Chat podcast. Today's episode will be a little different than normal. I will be going over the nine minor league baseball ballparks that I saw for the first time this year, ranking them and briefly reviewing each one. Although we're just barely into the baseball offseason, reviewing these ballparks has me even extra ready for baseball and road trip season to get here. Being only November, baseball season and summer seem very far away, but when you live in cold Ohio, it makes it seem like it's even further away. Anyway, Anna D. Tommaso comes on at the end of the episode for a quick ballpark review of her own as well. So now here's the episode. So this year, I saw nine new minor league baseball stadiums. And as y'all know, I'm big into numbers and ranking things. So today I'm going to rank the nine new ballparks I saw at the minor league level this year. Obviously, not all of them are actually new. They're just ones that I saw for the first time personally. Coming in at number nine is Bossy Field, home of the Evansville Otters. I really did enjoy this ballpark. It doesn't have all the new amenities, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I like seeing old ballparks, and this was done in what seemed like a fairly classic way. Part of the reason it ranks as low as it does on this is for two reasons. One is it is the only one of these nine that I didn't actually get to catch a game at this year. Just was able to walk around it on a day it was open, so I didn't quite get to grasp the full feel of the game. But also, it ranks lower on this list because of the nine I saw this year. I happened to see a lot of really good ones. So even though it's number nine of these ones, doesn't mean it's at the bottom of my overall list. It was really cool to see a park with so much history. It's the third oldest professional ballpark still in regular use behind only Fenway Park and Wrigley Field. And I would absolutely like to get back at some point and catch a real game there. That would perhaps add a little extra experience to it. But it was it was really cool to see. And as I was there walking around, I couldn't help but imagine some scenes from A League of Their Own, since that's partially where the movie was filmed. Coming in at number eight is AutoZone Park, home of the Memphis Redbirds. This was definitely a nice park. I think I personally had too high of expectations for it. And I think it suffered a little in its rankings because of that. Also, this was one of the first games of the year and it was freezing cold that day. One thing I wish I would have paid a little more attention to at the time was the Pujols red chair. Apparently in the ballpark's first season, Albert Pujols hit a walk-off home run in the 13th inning to give the Redbirds their first PCL championship. And it landed in that chair and now it's left standing alone. I did see the chair while I was there. Just didn't really know any of that history, so it didn't really stand out to me. I probably should have questioned why is this chair sitting there by itself. But yeah, it was a nice ballpark still. And uh, as I was walking around, I got to walk past the bullpen for the Redbirds and knew that Zach Thompson was pitching for them. And I made sure and stopped to actually have a conversation with him because I remember watching him pitch at Kentucky Proud Park when he was a member of the Kentucky Wildcats. And Zach was gracious enough to actually legitimately have a conversation with me. And even at the end of it, took a selfie with me. And we talked about how I had seen him at Kentucky. And that day I happened to be wearing a Vanderbilt baseball hat. And uh, we joked about that. And he was like, well, at least it's an SEC hat. So he's all right with that. But yeah, still a nice park for sure. Just again, suffering from having seen a lot of really good parks this year. Number seven is First National Bank Field, home of the Greensboro Grasshoppers. 
few years ago, I was in Greensboro while the grasshoppers were not in town. So I drove over, parked nearby, and actually walked around the outside of the ballpark. And actually, from what I could tell there, it seemed like it was going to be a really awesome ballpark. Seemed fairly new, nice structure, pretty big. And as I finally got to go there this year, it was indeed a nice park. It didn't have a whole lot of originality, which hurts it in the rankings a little bit. It was one of those ballparks that not a whole lot of stands out as being awesome about it, but it was very clean, still nice structure. One of those not too good, not too bad ballparks. They did have a really good frozen margarita that I had there. Really enjoyed that. And before I got to visit the ballpark, I had talked with an employee of their team, Katie Dana Miller, for one of my podcasts. And she had got me up to date on the history of the grasshoppers, bat dogs, and how important that was to them. And it was cool when I was there to see that they literally did honor some of the bat dogs with photos up at the ballparks, which was pretty cool. And also I did get to catch a foul ball there, which was nice. That day I was there, there was a major storm coming. I was a little worried we weren't even going to get the, the game in, but we did actually it did get rained out after six innings, but still did get to see the game and see the ballpark. It was a nice ballpark and had a really good team store was one of the things I was impressed with. Number six, Salem Field, home of the Buffalo Bisons. I refer to this ballpark personally as a quadruple A ballpark, partially because it's the largest minor league baseball park in America, and mostly because it's been used for the major league baseball's Toronto Blue Jays over the last couple of years a lot. I think this is yet another one that I was personally expecting more out of, partially because it being the largest one, but also because I knew they had made some renovations to accommodate the Blue Jays. So I was was very curious how, how it was going to be with being part-time MLB stadium over the last couple of years. And it didn't quite live up to that hype, but it, it was a nice, large stadium that had a unique backdrop with highways of bridges all in the background, which was pretty cool. The size of it, it didn't seem as big as I was expecting it to, but it was still really large. And that was enjoyable for a change compared to a lot of other much smaller minor league parks that we go to. Walking around the concourse, this one did seem a little outdated and not entirely in a good way. I was surprised that it was not a full walk around concourse, but I enjoyed getting to the city a few hours early and actually enjoyed sightseeing around Buffalo for a little while. And the game was cool. It was a good walk-off extra innings game, and it was a fun time. Number five. Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark of the Oklahoma City Dodgers. This is where it starts to be a big leap in the rankings because from here on out, the top five were all all awesome. I really enjoyed For this one, the whole Bricktown area was really cool. And I like how on the entrance of this stadium, it seemed like major league quality almost with the bricks and it seemed quite large. had a lot of statues on the outside, much like plenty of major leagues ballparks have. I enjoyed at this ballpark. I actually got to meet up with two friends that I had only known from online prior to that, Brian Horton and Anna DiTomaso of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. So I had a really good time not only at the ballpark, but spending the game with them as well. This was one of the very few minor league ballparks I've been to so far that actually had a second deck. I was surprised that not only were there no one in the upper deck, but apparently that's a common enough theme there that they actually had it tarped off 
And my friend Brian, who's from Oklahoma City, told me they just never sell out the ballpark there. And I was a little surprised by that because of how nice the ballpark was and the area in general. He also told some good stories about the wind in the city and the area and how it affects baseball games. I'm going to have to get him on the podcast sometime and have him retell some of those stories because he would tell it much better than I would. Oklahoma City was another city that I enjoyed getting to a little early and sightseeing around. I saw the 1995 bombing memorial, which is really touching and hits you in a, in a certain way. If you're ever in the area, I definitely recommend going to see that. Coming in at number four, the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimps 121 Financial Ballpark. This is another ballpark that I had seen from the outside before once when I was in Jacksonville, but it was during the off season, so I did not get to go to a game. From the moment I parked the car and got out of there, that Jacksonville heat that I had heard so much about for so long was very noticeable. I was like, man, this is, this is a real thing. <laughs> this was the first ballpark I had gotten to go to and get press credentials for, for the Up to Chat podcast. So it was a good start. Right off the bat, going into this one, it didn't take long for me to realize this was a very fun ballpark. It was the last game of the year. They had opened up the outfield for fans to, to stand on the grass and toss a baseball if you had it, or if not, then they were handing out tennis balls just to toss. So me and my friend Derek were doing that. It was a very unique park. It had in the right field backdrop very prominently, TIAA Bank Field, home of the Jags. In the left field backdrop, it had a minor league hockey arena. And then in the center field backdrop, off into the distance, had one of the many Jacksonville bridges. So it's a very cool backdrop with many different aspects that were all unique. Plus, this ballpark literally had palm trees and a church inside of it. The structure was very unique. The Jumbo Shrimp brand is personally probably my favorite brand. So seeing the logos and all that at the park helped for me as well. And I had a really good time and with that one. That one just was really good. The only thing that could have made it slightly better probably was if it, if it wasn't an afternoon game we went to and maybe that Jacksonville heat wouldn't have been so bad. Number three, the ballpark I saw the very next day in Gwinnett, home of the Stripers, Cool Ray Field. This is another one I got press credentials for for the Up to Chat podcast. And this one, I got to meet Patrick Larson of the MILB Hat History Series. Right off that, we had gotten there a couple hours early to get in line for Atlanta Braves replica championship ring giveaway they were handing out that day. And shortly after getting into the gates, looking at the backdrop and Pat Larson found me and said, it's a good start right there. We had to chat with him later, watched the game together and had a good chat with him. But the ballpark, yeah, itself, I didn't have super high expectations for this one. And it very much exceeded it. It was huge, much bigger than I expected it to be. And very clean, and up to date in a good way. Full wraparound concourse. Had like apartments in the backdrop, which can sound kind of dull, but it didn't really feel that way. So it was really nice. All along, I had thought the Nashville Sounds might have been the most spacious ballpark I've been to with elbow room to spare, but this one may have surpassed that. It was plenty of room to spare. You did not feel crowded like you would if you were at Wrigley Field. Also, the Stripers are another very cool brand that was fun to see and added a little to the experience as well. Number two, 
UPMC Park, home of the Erie Seawolves. It's going to be hard to explain why, but this was one of the most fun games I've ever attended. And there's not a lot of specific standout reasons I could explain, but it was a great time. Right off the bat, the park exceeded expectations, was very unique, had a minor league hockey arena so close to the left field wall that it actually was the left field wall. It had an upper deck as well. I was hoping to find cotton candy nerd hot dogs still available there. And unfortunately they were not, but there were still tons of good concessions. I tried a, a burger pizza, which was a pizza flavored burger, which was delicious. Had mac and cheese and a mini ice cream helmet, actual ice cream and a mini ice cream helmet. Another great brand. That's a lot of fun that added to it. I was like overwhelmed in the team store when I was in there because there were so many things I wanted to buy, partially because the brand was great, partially because they're a Detroit Tigers affiliate and had a lot of stuff related to current Tigers players. But yeah, that's another park that's larger than I expected it to be. And yeah, like I said, it's hard to explain exactly all the details that made it so fun, but it was one of, if not the most fun minor league game I've ever attended. And a lot of it was due to the park itself being so nice and the Seawolves just putting on a great time and having lots of great concessions available. Coming in at number one on my list is Riders Field, formerly known as Dr. Pepper Ballpark, home of the Frisco Rough Riders. I had high expectations for this park and it lived up to them. The most important feature that I was looking forward to was, of course, the Lazy River. And that was amazing and super unique. I definitely recommend going, going there to check that out. I was unfortunately not able to get in it this time, but I would love to go back and watch a game from there at some point. But even, even well beyond the Lazy River, the structure was awesome. It felt like you were in a village the way the structure is. And it definitely felt like a Texas ballpark from the size being so big. But yeah, you can walk around the concourse and it feel like you're almost like said in a village. But yeah, the other small details to the structure were very nice. Like in the wall in front of the Lazy River and right field with the Frisco Rough Riders script logo and the waterfall in it was beautiful, full wraparound concourse, nice backdrop, even though it was fairly simple and just very large with a lot of also a lot of good concessions. There was also too many concession items there for me to only pick one. There was also more concession items there that I wanted to try that I was not able to. It was hard to just pick one or two of them. And what added to the experience was it was also Jack Leiter's professional debut. That combined with it being a Friday night, it was a packed house. And I don't know if it was because it was Friday night, one of the first games of the year and Jack Leiter's debut, or if that's just the way all games are in Frisco. But either way, it was a great crowd and great experience and a great ballpark. One of the few details that I like to notice about ballparks that most people probably don't is the stadium sign. And that one, had it still been Dr. Pepper ballpark, I've seen pictures of the signage that looked really cool. And unfortunately, they're in between naming rights deals right now. So it's simply Riders Field with no stadium sign. So I was disappointed in that little little part that's very nitpicky. It was still, it was still a great ballpark and I would love to go back there again. Love to go to Texas in general. It's one of my favorite places to be and you can never be there too much. Well, that's my nine new ballparks I saw at the minor league level in 2022. 
I always try to hit at least eight. That's a personal number I set with no real significance to it. So I was glad to get hit my quota for the year, even though it took till the very last games of the year to, to reach it. Now it's time to start making plans for 2023. So if anyone's got any suggestions for ballparks I need to make sure and see, let me know for sure. Haven't made plans exactly where to go next year, but hopefully I'll get to at least eight more. The nine ballparks I added to my minor league list this year were a strong group with a high overall ranking average and my overall MILB ballpark rankings. Here's where each of those nine ballparks ranked amongst all 48 minor league baseball parks I've seen in my lifetime. Bossy Field of the Evansville Otters, 31st of 48. AutoZone Park, home of the Memphis Redbirds, 27th. Greensboro's first National Bank Field was number 24. The Buffalo Bison's Salem Field is 20th of the 48. OKC's Chickasaw Bricktown Ballpark comes in at 14th. The Jumbo Shrimps 121 Financial Ballpark is just outside the top 10 at number 11. Gwinnett's Cool Ray Field is the 9th overall ballpark. The Seawolves' UPMC Park is ranked number 8 on the list. And finally, Frisco's Riders Field ranks number 4 overall of the 48 total ballparks I've seen at the minor league level. Hey everyone, I'm Anna Tomaso, host of the Baseball Bucket List podcast, and Mike invited me to give you all a little insight about Riders Field in Frisco, Texas, home of the Frisco Rough Riders. Frisco is one of the most booming towns in North Texas right now, but the ballpark has remained a key part of the community since it opened in 2003. The Rough Riders are, of course, the AA affiliate of the Texas Rangers, who make their home in Arlington, Texas, which is just about a 40-minute drive from Frisco, giving you a great opportunity to see a minor league and major league game in the same day or weekend. The Riders get their iconic name from the 1st U.S. Volunteer Cavalry Regiment, headed by Teddy Roosevelt during the Spanish-American War. So there are, of course, plenty of Teddy-themed attractions, mascots, and traditions to be found all around the ballpark. While you're at Riders Field, you'll want to make sure to check out the Bull Moose Saloon down the third baseline, then walk on over to meet Brooks, the team dog and chief morale officer. The Riders are the most recent champs of the Texas League, meaning there is always great baseball to be found at Riders Field. You'll also see Friday and Saturday night post-game fireworks, giveaways, and of course, several promotional events throughout the course of the year. But the coolest attraction inside the whole park is without a doubt the Lazy River located above the right field wall. In your mind, you're probably thinking about a rinky-dink pool that would be suitable for, I don't know, like a kid's birthday party or something like that. But this is a 68,000-gallon thing of beauty and lifeline to Texans in the summer months. At 68,000 gallons, it holds eight times the amount of water located in Arizona's Chase Field Pool. It is without a doubt one of the coolest experiences I've ever had a chance to participate in. And with adult beverages and a cabana just steps away, the perfect summer afternoon. I can't recommend Riders Field enough to you all. I am super fortunate to have it in my backyard. So as you make your way out, feel free to give me a shout on Twitter. I'd love to meet up. I am at Baseball Bucket, or you can drop me a line from the website, baseballbucketlist.com. Thank you to Mike for giving me a second to gush about my local team and encourage you all to get out to Riders Field. You will not regret the trip out to one of the country's best minor league ballparks.